Welcome to the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast with our special guest. Jen Salvati, co-host and the very pale today, Catherine Brandt. And Andy Brant Bernard. Why are you very, very I don't pale know. Today? I just look like I'm a ghost. <clears throat> no, you think so. Floating around. <laughs> no doubt. I think about it's that it. time of year where you haven't seen any sun in a month already. That's the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I have a tendency to get super pale in the winter. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. Well, that's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Ryan. Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. You know, you're just talking about uh, being pale and this and that. At least you didn't do as badly as the guy at the Ironworks. Did you see that? No, what happened? Apparently there's some company, I think it's in Pennsylvania, that's been warned that their, their iron fabricating business or using iron to fabricate other things was not safe enough. Guy fell into a vat of molten oh, no, no. lead. Molten, well, molten iron anyway. Yeah, it was molten iron. It fell into it. He said, as he fell in, he liquefied. Yeah, his body just oh, liquefied. He would have felt as nothing. It it's so hot. Oh no, he didn't feel anything. No. No, well, that's no, 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 no. a feel-good story. <laughs> but can you imagine watching this guy's body just liquefy right before your eyes? Uh, They're iron workers. They've seen all sorts but of I stuff. But I still don't understand <laughs> well, how right. you're. Safety standards can be that low or that can even happen. They didn't even have a railing yeah, in front of him. They're going to get sued <laughs> out the ass. Uh, sure. Well, well, that's getting sued. I'm sorry. <laughs> that just doesn't seem like anybody from OSHA has been inspecting. No, it yeah. doesn't, does it? Because they should have been shut down till the safety standards were met. Well, they warned them about something else like last year, and that didn't get fixed either. I know, but when you warn somebody and they don't comply, you, they I have the know. right to shut them down. And they didn't do it? I know. Hmm, interesting. 
Yeah, I um, melted copper in my backyard before. You remember that? Yeah, I remember your smelting Made phase. a little smelter. <laughs> um, and so I melted about probably half a pound of copper. Copper is much, much lower temperature than iron. Okay. But a half a pound of copper in a little crucible about probably three feet away is still uncomfortably hot. I bet. It's like touching a hot stove kind yeah. of thing. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if you think of just a campfire, 5,000 pounds of molten iron, yeah. yeah. The, it's heat that most people can't even really fathom because it's just so, yeah. so hot. <clears throat> I think that's true. Most people can even understand. No. All and to think that they is. don't have any security or safety around there is just, Mm-mm. I don't know. Negligence? It's, true. it's called negligence. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. No question about it. It is called negligence. Jen Salvati with us, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> one of my favorite things. Yeah, you're not going to find a whole lot of defund the police or defund the military in this studio. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, Veterans Airlift Command, what a great, great thing this is. I want to hear all about it. All right. Well, well, you have to remember, Veterans Airlift Command is who brought my dad mm-hmm. my, from... My from Arizona during COVID. COVID yeah. I would like to know why Don got a special private jet, though. He got a private jet, for God's sake. Because the guy like somebody, World War II vets. somebody volunteered their time and their talents and their energy and money to do it. It was the most amazing experience. He was, you have no idea how high he was riding. For, for like three months, all he would talk about is, did you know that I was mm-hmm. gifted a ride on a private plane? Well, I mean, it can you imagine? So amazing. The way he grew up, he probably never would have thought that he would no. be riding for free on a private jet. There's no, no way. Because he was not born. Well, was he born in Jamestown? No, he was born in Billings, Montana. But he was raised in Jamestown. Yeah. For the most part. Jamestown, North Fargo. Dakota, mm-hmm. pretty poor area. You know, not a whole lot of private jets out there. I wouldn't say they were poor, but they weren't. A hundred like, years ago, they sure they were. They weren't wealthy by any stretch. Yeah. By modern standards, you know, no yeah. indoor plumbing, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's on my other side. Oh, that was the other. No, yes. there's no way they had plumbing there a hundred years ago. No way. In Jamestown? Maybe in the city. Did he? Did he, did he live right in, in the city? Oh, oh did, did he? he? Yeah. Oh, I thought he, he didn't live on, on a farm, farm or anything. No. Oh. I remember going to. They had refrigerators and everything when he was alive. Four years old. They had and everything. Four years old. I went up to my aunt Marianne's farm, Larry and Marianne Levine. Larry and Marianne. Yep. Yeah. Larry and Marianne Levine. Marianne is still alive. I love wow. Marianne. She's a wonderful person. She is. Four years old, I had to go to the bathroom. Two o'clock in the morning, I wandered outside to the outhouse, and Toots, my mother, went berserk oh, when she sure. found out I did that. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wandering around four-year-old, middle of the night, out in the middle of nowhere. Probably get taken by a wolf. Well, I could have fallen in, too, because that hole was big enough for Oh, me. God, yeah. For a four-year-old, yeah, For, for a four-year-old, but... But back to Airlift Command. <laughs> oh, yes, back to Airlift Command, exactly. It, uh, I remember I was just, like, frantic to get him up here. My mother had died in the room that he was in down oh. in floor in mm-hmm. uh, arizona yep. and he wanted to come up here so badly and get out of you can't blame him yeah can't blame him at all covid was going on he oh, they weren't letting him outside yeah and yeah. i mean and then it was like every senior that comes near covid's gonna die you know mm-hmm. so we didn't want him on a on a commercial flight and he was pretty frail to even be <laughs> doing that and i remember call, somebody told me about your organization on on social media 
And I was like, so I got, and you was, I don't know if it was even you. I got a whole thing of notes I was going to bring in, but I forgot, of course. Um, he said they love flying World War II vets. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of them. Yeah. Can't be it's like these guys will do anything for World War II vets. And I'm like, really? Well, and he was up here within, I think, 30 days. Should it was point amazing. Because she won't bring it up. Should point out that Don tried to get into uh, World War II when he was 16. And they sent him back. No, they were going to send him back. Oh, but they never did? I thought no. they actually did no. send him back. He talked, no, he, he, talked, he talked his commanding officer out of it because he said, by the time you send me home, I'll be 17. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll just, just come back. I'll just reenlist. Yep. So what's <laughs> come the point? Back anyway. And he was like, okay, I guess that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, he was a guy at 17, 18 years old, um, releasing people from death camps like Dachau and these these camps. He wasn't in a big one. He didn't do a big one, but like that, yes. Well, I, I guess, you He did you know, a practice death camp. Yeah, he, he, he just had to wade through one. the dead bodies, so it wasn't that <laughs> oh, big goodness. a deal. I mean, was, yeah. But at 17 years old to go through something like that, then he was shot and wounded. He was, he got hit by shrapnel. Yeah. Oh, shrapnel? I thought he was shot, too. No, it was a mortar. mortar oh, it was a mortar, in. okay. Mm-hmm. But he carried that with him his whole life, right? There was yeah, still he had shrapnel trap in his body all the time. The whole yeah. time he probably so. carried a lot with him his whole life. Oh, yeah, the I guarantee yes. that. I don't know. How, how do you get by? Do you ever talk to these people? How do they get past all of that? A lot of them didn't. Well, right. that's one of the reasons why your organization exists, right, is to help. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we have a whole generation of World War II vets that never actually had any resources at all to right. even deal with really? getting past it. No, you were no. just expecting to go home. It was shell-shocked, and that was it. You went mm -hmm. home, and you carried that all and talked to no one about it, and that was, you that just, was it. Uh, yeah, you were just supposed to go home, get married, have a bunch of kids, and make a life. And that was like, that's what a lot of them did, too. A lot of them yeah. actually just did it. My grandfather was about a it. World War II veteran, and, you know, talking to him later in life, that was, he said, well, I suppose maybe... Maybe I did have PTSD. Maybe what they call that yeah. now. You know, he yeah. kind of laughed at what they what they call that now. He said back then it was shell shock. <laughs> shell but, right, yeah. you know, yeah. we just we went on with it, exactly. and that was it. And my dad is a Vietnam vet. Uh, flew oh, yeah. Huey's in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, the re obviously the resources for Vietnam vets and even the appreciation, which was much Stop. different than horrible what we had for World War II veterans, yes. which is how we started in the first place. Okay. So my dad flew helicopters in Vietnam, was injured, and um, almost lost his leg, did not, but spent six months in the hospital. And yeah, We should mention, by the way, Huey uh, helicopters were not the safest place to be because they transported troops in and out of the jungles and all these different things. Yeah. Absolutely. He was smoky. He was the first one in. Oh. So, uh, a lot of war so, heroes in your family over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. And it's skipping a generation here. But uh, well, you're he, certainly doing your part to help. Yeah. It's, and it's an honor. Uh, but he, he started Veterans Airlift Command in really? 2006. And thought he would, he's a pilot, he continued to fly, his, right. his, he, had, he retired from banking, and I think he was maybe 59 when he retired from banking, thought he would fly guys locally around the, you know, five-state yeah. area yeah. with his own plane, didn't fly a jet, um, but then calls started coming in, uh, and then this was 2006, 2007, hey, we've got guys at Walter Reed, Brook Army Medical Center, that oh, yeah. need flights, <laughs> and he started recruiting some of his buddies that had airplanes and and realized, hey, this isn't just going to be a small thing. This is, we actually need help here. 
So he, I want to say he started in, started in 2006. I came on board in June of 07. Wow. And we maybe had 100 pilots signed up with us at the time. And we've had about 2,700 nationwide now. That's, That's amazing. amazing. And it is wonderful. I had a... I had a little bit of a marketing background, and he said, hey, we've got this email list that someone gave me, you know, donated to us. Do you think there's anything you could do with that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, maybe. So I essentially started junk mailing people saying, hey, you know, we've got a quad amputee who needs to get from Walter Reed home to Michigan for the very first time. Can you use your airplane for this? And the response rate on junk mail, I would say, is not usually great. This one was, yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh wow. can't do it this time. Let me do it next time. Sign me up. So we kind of got rolling that way. It was, and it was very organic, uh, word of mouth. So we didn't do it, you know, you don't see radio advertising for us. You don't see a lot of no advertising. And, it, and it's uh, our primary mission really started out just with our resources post-9-11 combat wounded. Okay. Um, at this point, we can do combat wounded from... I would say most eras. Really? Yeah. Okay. What a wonderful story yeah. that is. How, how do you, how, is it mostly the pilots that are donating everything? The or? pilots donate everything. So we have a small staff of four. Uh, and when my staff has been with me for 11 years, nine years. My dad's the founder. I've been on this is year, I'm in my 16th year. Wow. Now, dedicated, uh, somebody's on call. All the time I've got on call this week, so if you call, call late and need a flight tonight, I'll be the one answering the call on that. Um, it's an honor to be able to do it. Uh, we have what I see growing up in Minnesota. I'm not, you know, my dad was in, out, retired from the military by the time he was 21. So I grew up around airplanes, but I did not grow up around military. Growing up, I grew up in Edina, so, very, you know, I don't think I had maybe three friends whose dads were Vietnam veterans. Really? Yeah. I oh. mean, and if they were, they didn't talk about it. Okay. Um, it was, it, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing not growing up around it and, and being from Minnesota, not seeing the sacrifices that our military makes. And there's a lot that I didn't see until I started doing this. Uh, when you look at not just limb loss, but traumatic brain injuries, PTSD, and a lot of the flights that we do are flights for soldiers, veterans, who you would not necessarily know that they were injured when you first meet them. But then you spend 12 hours and you realize you've had the same conversation a few times. There's traumatic brain injuries that affect short-term memory. Uh, we're getting through an airport might be difficult and you can't see that right. as a general you know general population doesn't necessarily see hey this guy's got four limbs why would he need to travel on a private aircraft right. jet for free well because he might not make his connection because yeah, he's he forgotten where it was oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay. or just anxiety from being around crowds i flew home from atlanta on sunday i stood <clears> in the security <throat> line for an hour and a half oh, yeah. they God. eventually moved our line to the accessible line because there were so many people there so any if, if a veteran had actually needed to use the accessible line we'd gotten moved to that line and it was hour long wow so there's i mean there's definitely a, a value in flying privately over commercially too no question one thing that I, I must say that if tom brokaw says they're the greatest generation i'll go with that you know he wrote that book did you ever read the book greatest generation by tom brokaw 
No. It's phenomenal. He honors people like you're talking about so so well in that book. It, it's really amazing if you get a chance. I don't think people really understand what those men and women went through. Do you think, do you think this generation gets it at all? No. No. <clears throat> I bet no, not. No. Not at all. God, it's just, it was a, a world war going on. And, you know, we just kind of maybe got lucky because it was found that that missile that was fired was not fired by the Russians. It was fired by Ukrainians, and mm-hmm. it overshot its target. They were already talking about going to war, and like, oh, my God. Yeah, World War Three will not be a good one if it ever happens, and I hope it never does happen, but that's not going to be a good time at all. No. So odd, the entire world at war. How does that even happen? Because of power-hungry maniacs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Greed. Yeah, yep, and that's greed. That's true. <clears throat> which we still seem to have plenty of. Unfortunately, we yeah. haven't solved that problem quite no, yet. No, we have not we? solved the greed problem yet. You're right. So how do you, so you try, you raise, you, okay, so you are the connection. You're the dispatcher for veterans. And then you also do fundraising to help right. with fuel costs or? No. So what we cover, so we are working right now on an endowment, so we don't need to do fundraising ultimately. Okay. Um, but we do one event. I've read, I actually just, so I'm the executive director. We do one event every year called Hero Flight, and we do it in a different city every year. This year we were in um, Reynolds, Georgia. And we, and, it, and I would say our, our biggest supporters are also our pilots. So yeah. the, the financial supporters understand that we would not exist. They would not be able to do the flights that they do if our four didn't exist. So we are, you know, we're working on a new website right now. That's probably one of our bigger expenses, but we're a paid staff of four. Uh, it's not volunteer work it, in terms of, I well, have no, had working full time yeah, at this. Yeah. More than full time. And so, you know, we've had, we've had volunteers say, Hey, we'd love to help you out with, but ah, I'm busy. I want to golf today or I want to do this or that. So we've had people that are retired. Hey, I want to, I'd love to volunteer for you. Really the best spot for a volunteer is, Hey, do you own an airplane and can you fly? Okay. Um, but that, um, our pilots or aircraft owners are the ones that pay for the flights completely. Oh, okay. So what we do is we recruit the pilots and aircraft owners and we vet the veterans yeah, I remember when uh, yeah when you you guys sent me a an application for for Don Brandt and I had to put in all of his military information so it was all verified so it's not people just scamming a free airplane right, ride someplace right. right yeah yeah it was very thorough we had one of those once um, you did <laughs> oh, and we and we and we, uh, we figured it out <laughs> before he flew so uh, we had the FBI waiting for him oh, on the ground he oh, stole I like it. he was uh, faking. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, stolen valor, said he was a Marine. Oh, God. Um, I mean, even had Marine tattoos. Uh, He'd been been vetted by another organization to get the service dog. And so typically, you know, we're working to get the service dog. We're talking to the other organizations. And one of my mission coordinators said, a little Google search. And and Google's your friend, I tell you. You can find anything tells me that uh, we might be looking at a stolen valor situation oh. so we're like all right so how are we going to get this guy and you know really don't want to spend too much of our time and resources on on this but i also don't want him stealing another service dog right. or another yeah. anything yeah. from another true combat wounded veteran so 
We figured it out, and they couldn't do anything unless he actually flew the dog. So we had a pilot who said, I'm in. I'll, I'll fly him up with the dog. And, oh, and the FBI was waiting for him. It was a sting him, operation. So, <laughs> yeah, the so sting. Yeah, you, exactly. you don't want to put in a phony application and suggest that you've served in combat if you have not. No. Oh so, so what, was this guy like collecting a military pension and everything? Or? No. Okay. No. I think he no, borrowed No, the military his... would, yeah. Have well, if, no, no. Smell, sniff mm, that out uh, right yeah. away. It's like the government. I no, know. I think he'd maybe stolen his father-in-law's uniform. and <laughs> oh, I, 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 It was a weird deal. Oh, wow. Did, did he have That's some just evil. mental illness, do you think? Maybe. The reason I ask you that is because somebody didn't get to take that flight because he took it. Somebody well, used he didn't take mon- the flight, right? Well, we had to have somebody actually fly the dog so yeah. Yeah. he could get caught. Because oh, otherwise, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, there was no crime. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yes, I suppose. But somebody didn't get a dog. Somebody didn't, you know, right. I think of all of the resources that he'd taken probably oh. up until yeah. he found us. Yeah. And um, you could have been spending time on another right. real person, a real know, veteran. The thing there, we, we talk about it on the morning show once in a while, is you know, I don't understand people. People are so angry with one another or people scam like this guy did. And what I don't get is how do they not understand, let's say you go after me, you're going you know, to go after me and destroy me. Well, you're going to go after my wife, my son, my daughter, my grandkids. How do people, how are they not human enough to see how many people could get hurt by their stupid action? They don't get it? I think so. Just, I think some people just don't get it. Don't. I guess. Uh, that's frustrating for me. But I, but I love the fact that that pilot set him up by, oh, I'll take the dog. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. And then he flew the dog back. Then he flew the dog back. Oh, did he <laughs> you know, really? Back to, oh, back to the organization. Cool. Oh. So. See, that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's yeah, I talked to Don's pilot. Uh, he, he came off the, the plane for a couple of minutes. Or... They both were um, uh, Vietnam vets. Yeah, they were both. Yeah. The pilot and his co-pilot. But it's yeah. funny. I said, I want to thank you so much uh, for, you know, doing this. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, for taking this task on, I appreciate it. He goes, I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> it was really sweet. He's like, no, no, I got to do this, and I'm doing this. It was, he Especially was very... Vietnam vets. Oh, yeah. We've got, oh, we've yeah. got a, a number of volunteers who are, quite a few, who are Vietnam veterans. And, and they, this is their way to make sure what happened to them never happens again. See, now that's a huge part that I wanted to get to next. Can we stop treating our vets like this? I mean, even the World War II vets, like you just pointed out, were not treated very well if they had some maladies or something that was a little off kilter or something like that. They didn't really get all the help that they needed either. Right. Why did that happen? I still don't understand why that, that was ever the practice, to not help people who basically saved your life, probably. Well, uh, more than 10% of the U.S. population served in World War II. More than 10%. At the yeah. time, yeah. So I mm-hmm. think that there was probably just not enough to go around. I mean, 16 million people, I don't even know how you would help that many people, even if you wanted to. Is there, were there that many people back then in World War II? Well, World War II was 16 million people. Population of the U.S. in 1945 was 140 million. Yeah, well, there was also a stigma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back in those days with, you know, you were a big, strong military guy. Yeah, you shouldn't true. have any problems. You shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't be lonely. You shouldn't be having nightmares. You shouldn't. Oh, it's you just weakness. Guy, right? yeah. yeah. Being weak back then was like a really, really, really bad thing mm-hmm. to be, especially for a man. So when they came back, 
there were so many of them, the best thing everybody probably thought for them was to make sure they got jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you mental know? health wasn't a, we weren't dealing with mental no, health in the way that we're dealing with it now for World War II veterans. Um, so why, when you said mental health, you looked at me? Why'd you do that? Obviously. <laughs> you're just you know, losing listen, mental you know, health problems. I grew up on KQ. I've heard your mental oh, health. No. <laughs> this could be a huge problem. Yes. She goes, mental health. Well, <laughs> right, right there. Oh. It's all out there for the world to see. Oh, it is amazing. Isn't that amazing, Andy? You said that the, the population of the world was what? Population of the U.S. Was 160? Uh, no, 140. 140. So it was actually well over 10% of the I, U.S. population. I think during World War II, the population of the world was only about 3, three million people, wasn't it? I assume you mean billion. A billion, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, not billion. Not <laughs> uh, three billion. Been prolific since then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Not many be, it's not even half of what it is. 1942 what world population. Uh, it was well under 3 billion, actually. Wow. In 1950, it was 2.5 billion. And now it's 8. Yep. As of yesterday, it's 8 billion. Mm-hmm. So in just 70 short years or uh, 80 just, short years? It's tripled, yeah. It's tripled in eight year, in eighty years. Oh, some mm-hmm. people are like, there are population collapses. It's like where? Yeah, <laughs> There's so real. many yeah, people on they? the planet. Do we care? Well, you did see now that they've they've come out and discovered that the people's ability to to make children now has dropped by fifty percent. Something is going on with the chemistry there that the people cannot have babies anywhere near as easily as they used to. Well, it's because they're all sedentary and they eat McDonald's all day. <laughs> or they're, oh, on, or they're nice. on medication. Or that, yeah. Or your medication would do that, too. Yeah, it's a lot of people right. on medication. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, there's uh, xenoestrogens in our water, there's forever chemicals. It's, no, it's because people oh, could be sit on the it. couch for 23 and a half hours a day. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Tom here with my good friend, CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, I was out in Maple Grove the other day, saw your new branch that's under construction. It's looking great. Thanks, Tommy. We're very excited to open our new Maple Grove branch in the Arbor Lakes area later this year. Well, the way I do math, that's the sixth North American Banking Company, and you only have five fingers. How'd you get to six? I used my computer. (laughs) (laughs) We better not ad-lib. All right, we won't (laughs) ad-lib. Never mind. People will... Well, well, you're not mean. that good at it. Oh, yes, yeah, that's true. That's, right? you know, right. We have locations in Roseville, 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, and Shoreview. One thing I like about being a North American Banking Company customer is I can do a lot of my banking online or on your mobile app, but sometimes it helps to go in and talk to one of your friendly bankers in person. Everybody loves when you visit, Tommy. We hope to see you in Maple Grove soon. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets... 
at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Ooh, I'm going to throw this in. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it was such great news. I want to mention it. I saw uh, just before I came into the show this morning um, a chemical that does not allow fentanyl to reach your brain has been now discovered and will be on the market soon. Wouldn't that be Narcan? What does that mean? uh, Somehow it blocks the chemicals from affecting your brain the way fentanyl does and killing you, actually. So you take it when you take fentanyl? What's the point? Well, of I the think drug? it's like Andy said, and they used to. Use, well, they still do use Narcan, but I think it's a situation before it does. If you're showing bad signs, and you get to the hospital in time to take this, oh. that it will block it from from killing you. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's called Zimhi. Yeah, Zimhi. Yeah, uh, it's an go. injectable version of naloxone. Oh. Okay. Oh, is that what it is? So naloxone uh, is a nasal spray. Okay. I don't know why an injection would be better. better. Yeah, I don't know either. But that's really good. Did you know still 150 people a day die from fentanyl poisoning? Maybe it's people that are passed out and can't, aren't breathing. That's possible, I I suppose. I don't know. I'm just... Just spitballing here. It was just great news is all I'm having to say. Yeah, great, I hope it'll news. help people. I wish people could just not take all these drugs in the first place. Well, no, most no. people who overdose on fentanyl don't know that they're taking fentanyl right. is the problem. They don't. They think it's like heroin or cocaine. Yep. And then heroin of course, never kills anybody. Then, of course, they oh. also made it nice and colorful so the kids would take it, thinking it's candy. So thank you for that, too. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful news. But anyway, back to the, uh, the subject at hand here, the great uh, work that, that people. So before World War II vets, this never happened. Like, they, they wouldn't take World War I vets on train trips or anything like that. I'd never heard of it before the World War II vets uh, started doing this. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm talking about, about the f- pilots trip? flying in to fly people around. Did they, in the, after World War One, did they put them on trains to do the same thing? Oh. Because the air traffic wasn't anywhere near as much as it was after World War Two. H- have they always served the, uh, or taken care of the people who served, is I guess all I'm asking. World War One. it's hard to say because yeah. no one's left from that era. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, I just, so there's no history of it. There, you know, there's no history that you've seen of it. I have never. That's why I'm asking. I, yeah, I think these in, this information would be very difficult to find. Yeah. Last World War One vet died ten years ago, eleven actually. It was only eleven years ago. He was 110 years old. And he enlisted at the say, age of 14. Man. I was he would let, have been in early. Yeah, he 14. was. 14. Yeah, Jeez. look up his uh, what's his name? It's like Charles Schultz or. Yes. Charles Schultz. Cartoonist. Charlie Brown was there. I swear to God, it's something like that. Could be. It could be Charles Schultz. Yeah, that's not exactly. Very common name, actually. Let's see. Claude Schultz. Claude Schultz. You're very close. It was. So, yes. But, yeah, if you Google his name and look up his. Enlistment photo. I know Mom is going to react, Four, react to that. Yep, because he looks amazing. like a newborn infant. <laughs> there you go. At 14 years old. And where's he? Where was well, he we, from? We were I digging guess he'd up be a tween all of those clay. photos. But when, look at that. Oh my! He is a child. He is. He shouldn't he's be able a to. Baby. He's a baby. 
I know. And he was in the army at, at that age? Yeah, this well, is enlistment. I have a 15-year-old. Can you imagine him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of going to hockey tryouts today, hey, yeah. hey kid, all this is what you're going to go do. <laughs> I know. He looks like he hasn't even started puberty yet. <laughs> he, he and yet does. he's fighting in World War I. I know. I think about that a lot. With my dad was... Um, my God, that was When amazing. he was in high school, they had a some sort of a training program so that the high school students would come out or go into the military as an officer so he was in some sort of program to go be an officer i'm like a 16 year old a 17 they're going to be fresh out of high school and they're going to come over there and there's guys that have been in combat for a few years and they're going to have a fresh-faced high school student (laughs) telling them what to do it just seemed like that's strange but he never made it through the um through the uh training because they they had all call for everybody to get over there so it was it was time not well spent but at any rate i think when he was 16 my dad my dad went into the service at 16 wanting to go him at 16 (laughs) i was like I don't even know if it's a possibility for today's kids to yeah my dad was 17 i think when he signed up for but he and he had already been flying, but he was he was seventeen when he signed up to go in. Seventeen, yeah. God. It's just you think about today's kids. Oh yeah. And they seem so <clears throat> unprepared for Dumb. even going <laughs> off on their own, right? And being able to do laundry. Mm-hmm. How I know. How would we well, do? I mean, if you think about it, the army is actually not a terrible environment for someone like that, because they're told what to do at all hours of the day. You know, you wake up at this time, oh, you go do true. this, you go this place, you do this thing, and then at this time you go to this place and you do this thing. There's no, like, independence, really. But just going through basic training. I mean, kids aren't really usually very fit. <laughs> no, not a lot of muscle back then, mass. I think, uh, back then. Back then, but now. I mean, how your dad probably started helping or helping out around the farm when he was, like, six years old. Dad never lived on a farm. He <laughs> went to his, like, grandparents' farm and helped uh, out. I mean, but back in those days, the activity was you went fishing, you went swimming. You yeah, that went too, yeah. Golf, you know, I mean, he was a caddy. I yeah. mean, yeah, you did stuff. You yeah. didn't stay home watching television Kids were playing video way games. way more fit back then. That's true. That is true. There was but nothing I, to do. But there that's, was... just, that's my point, is that if we had an all-call to go to war... Yeah, it wouldn't be good. In three months. I don't I don't even know what would happen. Most, I'm guessing most young men would flee. They would just go to Canada, or they would just get try to get out of it. There's no way that they would do it. I just can't even There's imagine no it. There's no way. No. That's so We weird. just don't have that population anymore. <clears throat> no, we don't. We don't even have, we don't even have a patriotic population. No, oh, God, we don't. no. Well, that's, not that's every country, though. Every country is youth is not prepared for war, and mm-hmm. that's why no one's... I mean, God, look at the wars we got going on right now. We got technology that people 100 years ago wouldn't even be able to think of, and we got superpowers fighting each other right now, and nothing's happening, probably because... Well, veterans are still dying. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, in the world stage, Yeah. you know, it's basically just like two powers butting heads over and over for no real reason. And then when you talk about the percentage, you know, talk about 10% in World War II. Yeah, that would be... 1% is what we have yeah. serving now. Yeah, right. And they're so having a hard time recruiting, recruiting right? right? And, and when you talk about not being able to relate... Yeah. That is... Yeah, it's it is scary. Difficult. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. one thing the and World War II the... 
generation. I mean, if you look at every like cartoon and TV show made while they were in their like twenties and thirties, it's all about World War II because they all had it in common. So they knew that like if you go to some random guy your age and you start talking about World War II, he's probably going to be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." But now they don't really have that kind of thing. Yeah. No, There's what no we're looking at now is is you'll have some. I mean, I've got a f- multiple friends. When you ask how many tours they did, you're not talking one, two. You're talking nine, ten, eleven. Oh my god. Yeah. So. There was no. There's no replacements, so they have to get sent out over and over. You know what's amazing I, about this, honest God, Jen, is that the fact that I didn't look at it as how as being really, really fortunate, but I look at it now because when I first started working, I started working at 11 years old and then got, you know, got involved in radio and the record business and all that stuff at a much younger age. But what I witnessed from those World War II veterans who were my bosses, you know, because I was at the right. My favorite of all time, though, there was a British man who was a general manager of a radio station in St. Louis that I used to have to call on for Capitol Records. And every time I saw him, he had to tell me a war story. Every time, <laughs> which I thought was fan. He loved telling his war stories, and the way he told them was great. So he calls me, Tom, Tom, come in. I have to tell you something. Come in. Come sit, Have a seat. So look. I believe it was a Saturday. It might have been a Sunday, but we were strafing the Jerry's. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we were strafing the Jerry's. Oh, okay. But I look back now, I, maybe it's the first time today I've ever done it because of the conversation, how fortunate I was to meet all those people that fought and were, well, your aunt. I mean, she I was had, amazing. We had, we had, uh, from my mom's family and my dad's side of family, there were six that went into the yeah, military yep. and um, were in active combat zones. And all of them came back. That is like, I don't even know, statistically impossible. I don't, yeah, okay, it, yeah, all of them making it back. Yeah, yeah you're right. That, I don't know what your chances were coming home from World War II. I really don't. You have I to wonder, understand actually. Another thing, another thing you have to understand, Jen, is that uh, in Catherine's family, she had a great uncle named Young Jim. <laughs> Young Jim was 90. <laughs> so, well, you know, those nicknames they stick. <laughs> he was such a nice guy. What a what a nice man. Oh, very nice people. Uh, start of World War II, combat fatality rate was 55%. Whoa. I don't know how they all came yeah. back. Worse I just don't than even a coin flip. Yeah. Wow. Uncle Worse Uncle, Al, Uncle flip, L was right? in the Navy. He was on a, you know, an active ship. And he was like what, 6'4 or something like that? Yeah. He was a big fellow. I think yeah, a he ship, hiding. I think a ship was a good place to be in World War II. Really? I could be wrong, but yeah, I think... Airplanes were going and bombing. Airplanes weren't great because they were very, you know, one hit and you're going down. I don't know. You look at... Uh, you didn't want to be a uh, ground troop. That's for sure. That's what my my, fa- my father he called... He was? He called himself a foot slaughter. Yeah, what was exactly. Your... Well, they called him cannon fodder back then. Yeah, he said foot slaughter. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of army back... I mean, most most everybody was in the army. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It was yeah. probably mostly infantry. Because we needed ground troops. Infantry yeah. is what takes and holds ground, yeah. Yeah, back in those days. I don't know what kind of statistical stuff they've got now, but... I, I wonder. Mostly, I, I would guess the Air Force is probably the biggest one, right? Biggest for Because they're what? dropping... For dropping bombs and things and not getting your... Troops killed. Well, yeah, I think Air Force is pretty safe these days because they're all going supersonic speeds. Yeah, you know. But back then, the planes weren't very fast, so you could just shoot them out of the sky. Yeah, 
and they had to fly low because the bombs were probably crude in a way. Oh yeah, Very they definitely were. Crude, yeah. yeah, definitely. <sighs> the whole thing. Just, I'm glad that we're we don't have anybody in the military right now. Yeah, well, I know a lot of people, people do, and a lot fighting. of people are very are, worried yeah. about it. There's a friend of mine who she talks about her son is in the, uh, I think he's in the Air Force, and how the planes aren't even being maintained really properly, that they don't have the parts sometimes. How, what? Yeah. How do they, That's our what military she, doesn't have the parts. That's what she's saying. Uh, do they even understand <laughs> what the. No one has parts. All for the money anything. that we spend no, in the military, true. it's like where true. the place you should be spending it. At least, is you know, the people that are training and flying. Well, you can have all the money you want, but if every single thing in the world needs a chip from Taiwan, and Taiwan stops making those chips, oh, what can you do? The military should make their own chips. Yes, they should, but they don't. No, oh, I can't solve these problems. No, oh, you can't. Are you sure, honey? You can't I wish solve I could. Them. <laughs> so you take your little corner of the world and you do what you can. Yeah, you know? well, like you're doing. That's great. You know what's amazing to me is like looking back 80 years at World War II and then you go back to World War One. But 80 years ago to World War II, much of that war was about ethnic purity. People don't really focus on it much. And that was, that was Hitler's whole deal is ethnic purity. I mean, have we learned anything in the past 80 years? We're still fighting over... People's skin color, which drives me crazy. I don't know. I just really wish you'd they would stop. You'd think we'd evolve. Yeah, you'd think we'd evolve and everybody you'd could just... think we would. Shoulder to shoulder. So, That's Jen, all I know. Every, everybody in, that I know that runs some sort of a charity, they always have a special story or a special memory of something or somebody. Do you have one? It happens daily. Daily. Oh, really? I mean, it's it is. There's just definitely not a single, single one. I mean, it for us, it's it's daily. I mean, this week, I know we've got a one of the remaining Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, really? We're working on a flight, and my mission coordinator is talking about talking to him, and he's 98. 98. He's so God. sharp. Everything's all there. Enjoy like in the opportunities that we have. Just to get to talk and spend time with. Yeah. I, I just got off of our annual event, which I don't really like to call it a fundraiser. We raise all of the money in advance, so we don't go and actually ask for money. And it, it's it's become after 15 years of family reunion of sorts where we get to spend time with our pilots and the veterans that we serve and then watch them interact. And it's it's really great. Um uh, this last weekend, one of my one of my pilots was flying home, and I should tell you a little bit about his passenger. Um, we have a Marine who lost an arm and a leg in combat, and has gone on to get its, his pilot's license and his instrument rating. Wow! And he was flying right seat with the volunteer of mine flying back from Atlanta up to. D, uh, D.C. area, and the air traffic controller out of Atlanta on the as they were leaving said, hey, is this Mike Bell? It was the volunteer of mine flying, and he said, yeah, and she said, you flew my husband on a trip a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Thank you. I think the idea that what we do gets down to, hey, I've got one pilot who's flying an, an, another veteran who's now flying in his right seat who's someone we flew initially early on because he was injured. 
along with the flight, when you've got the air traffic controller saying, hey, you flew my husband last, you know, three weeks ago. That's amazing. It's just a neat place to be. Uh, oh, I and and I, our stories are, it's hard to ever come up with just one because it honestly, I'm so grateful. I can't believe I get to do this. Uh, the yeah. other day I was thinking I'm, I've been doing this. It's, it's year, almost 16 years really? for me and it feels like yesterday. I mean, I think about my, my very first day at work. I went out to the airport. We were flying a young veteran who was at the polytrauma center from flying cloud back home to Michigan. Um, and, and one of our local Minneapolis pilots was flying him. And that was my first day. And I had no idea what this was, was going to bring. And it's pretty cool to see where we are now. Um, just in terms of what we're able to do. It's not cool to see what, like when I look at what we're, what we're doing, when we first started, we thought we would, Hey, this is going to be kind of, we'll, we'll set up shop now, but we're not going to be here once once we're out of Afghanistan, once we're out of Iraq, no one's, we're, we're not going to be needed, right? We just want to get initially, hey, we've got guys that are in the hospital home, um, you know, get them home from Walter Reed, get them home from Burke Army. What we're doing now is these injuries aren't over. You don't get home and necessarily, hey, you know, I lost both my legs. Well, I need new prosthetics. Well, the prosthetist here isn't the best at the VA. I want, and I'm not necessarily speaking about the Minneapolis, but whoever's local VA. Right. Uh, I I go to this guy in Orlando. I I need my legs done here, or I've got therapy, and I want to go here, or this. There's a specialized, you know, hyperbaric treatment, and I want to go here. So rather rather than bringing everybody home now, now when we've got people that are home, it's all specialized treatment. So it's a little bit different, or um, I've got cancer from the burn pits. Mm. I need oh, I yeah. need treatment for that. Um, I lost both limbs. I didn't think I had PTSD because I was so focused on healing, oh. starting to walk again and learning to walk. Now I need to focus on my mental health, and or I, you know I'm going to inpatient treatment. I, we do so many different flights, and what we what we started with has kind of change is our mission hasn't changed, but what, you know, how we do it a, a little bit is, mm -hmm. is, uh, now we're back and, um, <clears throat> and realizing that we're going to be here for the long haul. This wasn't a setup shop to get everyone home right. from war. It now is we, these guys have, have served us and it wasn't the one, two, three years that they're going to need help. They're going to need help for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever watched anyone go through airport security who has oh, lost yeah. a leg um, oh, yeah. or two yeah. and have them pull the wheelchair out first and then have them scoot through. Uh, I mean, it, yep. it's, it's pretty disturbing to see that as TSA, this is what we're doing. So we're going to be here for the long haul and, and creating a situation where there's not that anxiety where you can drive an air, drive a car right up to the airplane, get in, fly, get where you need to go. And you're not dealing with crowds. I mean, my last, you know, flying out of Atlanta on Sunday, it was like, are you, are you kidding me? This was bad enough for, for me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I, I don't yeah. have PTSD. I've got all my lit. And I was just standing there thinking, and now we're in the line that should be the line for someone who has a physical disability. They've put us in that line. And anyone with issues, they're behind us at this really? point. Really? Yeah. Well, look at even uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. There used to be four security lines. Now they're down to two. two. 
in their infinite wisdom. Oh yeah. Yes. I saw that mm -hmm. when I, when I popped in, it was like, this line's out of under 15 minutes. And I'm up there. I'm like, oh, that was 45. Yeah. So those aren't even right. Yeah, they've anymore. doubled the size of the airport and I know halved, halved the security lines. I just, yeah. don't, they make it as miserable as possible oh, to fly. Absolutely. They really do. They make it as miserable as it possibly can. So somebody has got some sort of a, PTSD is, yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, I can't even, yep. you know, I'm just holding it together here. <laughs> yeah. person in front of me is. Well, I thought you were talking about being married Hasn't to me. even taken their shoes off yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're holding up everybody. Yeah, have yeah, they just... never flown before? <laughs> you really this is your first time on an airplane know, today. All like, 10 of you in I'm security like, before I'm me. I'm like, Lord, give me patience today. Got have all I can just to fly. And I don't, you know, I don't have those issues. So. Yeah, I can't even imagine, like you said, an hour and a half is just a crazy amount of time. Uh, I have a friend who's a double amputee, and I remember one time a wheelchair wasn't available for her when she went to the plane, and she had to crawl uh, just to get going hmm. all the way down the aisle, the dirty, oh, filthy God. aisle. Oh, yeah. On her elbows. I'm, so I, one of our veterans yeah. that we flown mm -hmm. from Minnesota, Jack Zimmerman, has a similar story about being thrown in the far back of an airplane. Yep. And mm -hmm. my, um, one of my employees, my, one of my employees, her husband is a single amputee. Um, it, he was injured in 08. He was telling me this weekend when I saw him about a time that he had flown commercial and he got off the plane and someone had taken his wheelchair thinking yep. it was just a com oh, you know, yeah. community chair yeah. and they had to track down his chair and he's sitting there so yeah. we don't lose you know and that's another you know we've i've heard stories about chairs getting broken or the guys are looking out the window seeing them just throw the chair in the plane and those aren't cheap no they are not and, cheap. and also when you need a new one it's not quick to get a new one they're all pretty specialized so we have a we've got a veteran who is uh, was injured in a night jump and is quadriplegic and mm. if he is going to fly we use a cer certain type of plane a Pilatus um, as a huge cargo door and oh, yeah. we've got pilots who have built ramps used a forklift to get his chair oh, up wow. in there and they just pull a chair out of the plane tie him down and legally. Um, yeah, and, hopefully. And That'd be good yeah. to do it legally. That'd yeah. be good. We'd like that. Uh, yeah. Not, not with little bits of twine, but... Uh... <laughs> But that's that's how he, at least. That, but that is how he can fly. Yeah. Uh, commercial is a nightmare because he's so anxious about you know trying. You yeah, can't fly gonna, in his chair, yeah. and this way he he can be comfortable and. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. 
the free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant i gotta tell you if if you're if, if there has to be something in it for you to help people out I will tell you, and I did not know this when I started, because I've been sending money to all these different causes for years and years and years, and I didn't know this thing I'm about to bring up was even part of the deal, but I would write a check out and I'd send it to them, and, you know, they would send back little things like, you know, return address labels that had the Air Force, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, whatever, insignia on it, but then the more money I would send in, all of a sudden they would get these big medallions and then I got baseball caps, and so if if you want something, I didn't even know that I'd be getting these, but they just they keep, they keep arriving. Like I, I get at least one a week. It's phenomenal. It's just nice to have that stuff around because it does remind you what people did. You know, like like I said, the world right now is a little uneasy and uncomfortable because nobody can get along with anybody else and all the rest of it. But what I'd like to say to people like that that argue about, oh, well, you victimized me. You said something that made me a victim. You want to go victim, let's go back to World War II, let's go back to Vietnam War, World War I. These people went to serve, and yeah, they were victimized by the enemy. There's no question about that. So let's not try to make a comparison between your victimization and theirs. In Vietnam, vets were victimized when they came home. They were, absolutely. They were treated like crap. Indeed. That was a real tragic time in our history. Well, I witnessed it personally, as I've said on the show many times. You ever heard me tell that story about my brother? My brother did two tours in Vietnam in the United States Marine Corps. And I, I apologize because I just told this story last week. But he came back, and I was 15 years old, and we're walking down Hennepin Avenue. This is in 1967. And here comes a, what was they were called hippies back then. And he's wearing a U.S. Army jacket, and the American flag is upside down on his jacket. And as we get there, my brother stops and he says to the guy, he's about from me to Catherine, about 15 feet. He goes, sir, could you do me a favor? So would you mind taking your jacket off and just drape it over your arm until I get around you and then you can put it back on? I just, I can't see that. 
goes, no, this is my jacket. He goes, no, seriously, I just, could you just take it off or maybe just put your hand over it or something? He goes, no, I'm making a statement. I'm going to make my statement. That got really hideous. I had never seen my brother go off like that in my entire life. He did not like the fact, because, you know, he had friends that were killed in Vietnam and the sure. whole deal, and he just didn't want to see it. Are people better about that stuff now, do you think? Or are they worse, like they're anti-cop now, which I still would like to ask them, who do you think is going to watch your back if somebody breaks into your house? But, you know, it's just me. I think, <clears throat> I hope, 9-11 made us better about that. Yeah, I thought so. It did for a while, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. pretty quiet. You know, at the event I was at this weekend, there was, you know, comments about, it's, you know, we haven't heard anything about Veterans Day. You know, media is not talking about mm-hmm. Veterans Day this last last week. And I said, yeah, well, well, you know, for yeah. us, it's Veterans, you know, with what I do, it's Veterans Day every day. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't look to the media for validation and in what we're doing. Um, but it is, a, you know, I think it isn't. It's not so much a, a negative towards, I would say, ambivalent. That, yeah. You know, yep. that's maybe the, the this idea that, hey, we've we've had these men and women that have gone and served and done tour after tour after tour. But because it's one percent of the population, it's not, you know, if you don't live near a military base, which, you know, here I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, I see what I see with what I do. But if I, you know, you look at my local group of friends, it's, you know, that's really neat what you get to do. But they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily see that or hear about it if they didn't hear about it from me. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a different, um, it's different now. I don't, I think you're not looking at the, I mean, I think about what my dad talks about. He went through after coming back from Vietnam. You know, he was pretty quiet about it. Do you, um, you ever get in contact with like Fox or CNN or any of those national news channels? Cause no. I think you should appear on those. Like Pete Hegseth is from Minnesota. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if they have any Minnesotans on CNN. They used to have. Is Poppy Harlow from here? No, she clue. might. I don't know, but I don't even know who Poppy Harlow is. She's a news reporter on CNN. <laughs> no idea. Well, I think she's an anchor now on. Poppy CNN. Harlow, yes, is from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. What does she, she look like? She, she's an anchor on on CNN, I, I, I believe. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, people like uh, Pete, Pete Hegseth. He served uh, a couple of terms uh, terms over there. Um, I, that's a guy, they should have you on Fox talking about this, because I think a lot of people would step up and go, hey, how can I help? I think a lot of them, because I don't think I've, I've ever seen them talk about this, flying, you know, World War II and Vietnam veterans uh, to places they really need to be. I don't know if I've ever seen that on the news. Probably not. Um, and we're pretty, you know, as far as we don't usually jump out to be, you know, we're kind of under the radar with what we do yeah. because we've got a pretty specific mission short of, you know, you can certainly donate to us. Uh, but when we look for volunteers, hey, I need you to have an airplane and I need you to have either fly the airplane yourself or have a pilot. Yeah. Um, and then when we're looking at who we serve, you know, it's not a broad spectrum. It's, com- you know, we when we really started out, it was post 9-11 combat wounded veterans. And now I would say we can we can do, you know, have you served in combat and hey, maybe you've got cancer and this is, you know, related from the burn pits and it, it maybe wasn't what was considered a combat injury at the time. Or, you know, you're combat wounded in Vietnam and you need medical treatment. Now, we, now we've now we got more of a network where we can do something like that. Uh, 
you know, and one of the questions to us, I think, has always been, how come the government doesn't do this? Yeah, why Oftentimes, don't they? Oftentimes. <clears throat> Do you want the government running this? No. No. If you cost a million times more <laughs> and there would have to be permitting fees and it right. would just be oh, a But if you call yeah. us, we, you know, it's no red tape. You you call us. I mean, and you've no. experienced it. There was you no know? red tape. So you will have someone who answers the phone, who responds to you. We put out this, you know, we put the trip out to our volunteers. We look along the flight line to see, hey, who's got an airplane? You know, who's got airplanes between? And I think you were Arizona, right? Yep. Okay, so, you know, hey, we'll look at anyone on the flight line between Minnesota and Arizona, and we'll blast out. Here's the story of the veteran that we're wanting to fly. You know, this is their combat experience. This is the purpose of the flight. And if you pick it up as a volunteer, great. We're not going to harass you if you don't. You know, delete the email if it isn't something that you want to do. But I do have some volunteers that fly for us where I can call and say, hey, we've got something. Uh, we got a flight today. That I I need um, Choctaw Nation flies for us. And oh really? And they're um, that's they're, a great. I'm glad to hear that. Their their chief pilot um, is the kind of guy that you can call on a Sunday afternoon, and he might be out fishing. And oh, you need me? I'll stop what I'm doing. Um, he's a former Marine. Uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he found a trip for us one day. He called me and he said, "Hey, I met this young woman on the way. I think she was." broke down in her car and I don't know if, what happened if she had a flat tire or something her car broke down and he was went was going to help her get to the gas station and said what are, you know where are you going today and noticed that she had a prosthetic leg and she said well I'm actually driving from somewhere in Oklahoma I think Durant Oklahoma down to Brook Army Medical Center to get my leg work done and he said well let me call Jen. He calls me. He said, hey, <laughs> would you mind? Could we call this a mission? If I take her, I'm going to get the airplane out and fly her down to San Antonio because she needs a flight. I think she would qualify. And I said, of course she would qualify. Combat wounded amputee. You're going to yeah. thanks for finding her on the side of the road for us. <laughs> but that's the kind of volunteers that we have. I'm pretty sure the government would be no. a year behind. No. in no. It would take a year yeah. to find a flight. Right. Yeah. So, no, you don't want the government running this. <clears throat> no, you're absolutely right. I'm just checking on. I'm going to get a hold of Pete Hegseth, and I'm going to ask him to reach out to you because I think, <laughs> okay. I think you, you should want, be on. Do you want yeah. national attention? Well, unless you don't Maybe want national that. attention. That's fine. <laughs> well, let me just tell you what kind of guy we're talking about here. Uh, Pete Hegseth was the Minnesota Army National Guard Individual Ready Reserve, Iraq War Veteran, Afghanistan War Veteran, won the Bronze Star twice, Army Commendation twice, National Defense Service Medal, Global War on Terror, uh, Terrorism Service Medal, Expert Interim Badge, Combat Interim Badge. I mean, this guy won everything. So you're saying we should talk. Yeah, I think you <laughs> should. Yeah, I think I think you should get yep. a lot of credit for what you're doing because, I mean, Absolutely. right now, I mean, it just... Like I said, we as a family experienced it just a couple of years it ago. Was it was an absolute wonderful. miracle. It was. And I feel bad that you were in the middle of COVID when that all oh. happened. Oh, I know. It was horrible timing, but it is what it is. You can't yep. change what's happening. How many missions do you run in a week, do you think? I'm sure it varies, but. Yeah, you know, I would say I would say it varies. Um, I would say we're usually a couple a day. Okay. So, one, you wow. know. Easily one, two a day. You know, we've, since we started in 2006, we've flown, I think last month, we have flown 20,000 passengers. Whoa. 20,000? 20,000. 
And is so, that always one at a time? Amazing. Nope. Uh, nope. I, I mean, say, sometimes. Yeah, a lot of but work, Yeah. But I would say, I mean, it's a real high end to have, you know, 10 or 12 on a flight. That's pretty rare. I would say our average is two to three on a flight. God. Oh, okay. And 20,000. God, that's amazing. So, and I think the in-kind value of that is somewhere around the tune of forty-five million of what has been donated with flight yeah. time for us. God, oh, what it a has great to be because when I was looking to just, you know, try to get a flight for Dad, it was like thirty thousand yep. one way. Yep. I was like, well, maybe we could raise that kind. Of, and my Dad would never have let any of us do that. Sure, he would rather walk. <laughs> One walker step at a time. Take a couple hundred thousand years. <laughs> but it is. And so it is. A, it's a significant. It's a significant donation that our it is. donors. It's huge. Donors give for each flight. And what most will tell me is I got more out of it than I think your passenger did. So oh, it's definitely a mission in a lot of different ways. Well, that's exactly what the pilot said to me. He said, I have to do this. I don't, it's not that I want to do it. I have to do it. Because he said the same thing. He got more out of it than the guy he flew. And I could see that. Yeah, we were all waiting at the uh, St. Cloud Airport for that a lot. Well, St. I don't know, Cloud. 20? Yeah. yeah. St. Cloud. Was it? No, no not St. Flying Cloud. Cloud. Flying Cloud. Flying Cloud. I was going to say St. Some Cloud. Some sort of cloud. <laughs> Flying I was at a different one than one you were, apparently. What's that called out there? Flying, flying cloud. cloud. Yeah, it's Flying Cloud. Yeah, it's just called Flying Cloud Airport. Yeah. Okay, but it's got a weird... I know, yeah, the hangar, not the hangar, the um, the terminal that we yeah. went into had a different name, yeah. too. Yeah, anyway, so um, we were all waiting for him, and this beautiful jet, I mean, it was a beautiful jet. It was gorgeous. It comes flying in, and... They were they were gonna they landed went to the bathroom they didn't eat anything they're like we have to get ahead of some weather yep <laughs> they were, yeah they were being chased Boom, by a storm they were running I think. back yeah. down but uh, dad came off of that and I was like so how was the flight and he said well it was so smooth it was a little boring <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you didn't think you were gonna be in a bomber jet yeah, like right, exactly. doing barrel rolls where, did you where, where were the anti-air batteries. <laughs> I think he was expecting it to be a rougher ride, you know, because sure. he's, he's never flown private in his life. That's true. <laughs> he just had no idea. The only uh, well, the only small that, airplanes he ever were, was on were military ones. You yeah. can imagine how they rode. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, before that, he probably hadn't flown in quite a while. Oh, probably not. I don't I mean, even know. Last time he went, I know he went to the Golden Valley House for something Probably um, like 10 years prior to that. Yeah, they hadn't flown commercial in a long time. They were also, you know, getting to that age where they were afraid of crowds, getting yep. sick. They didn't want to get sick. Because oh, yeah. when they got sick, it was like they were sick for a long time, mm -hmm. and they sure. thought that was going to do them in every time they got sick. So they hadn't been flying commercial in a long time. But it was it was just so funny because he comes, I mean, it was just this gleaming, beautiful, I don't know how much that thing cost oh, coming yeah. in, this little <laughs> Coming off of it, they're like, "All right, dropped them up. Bye." Yeah, I think I, think, uh, <laughs> I can have Melissa post the video. I'm pretty sure I took a video of that. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, we I'll have, have videos. Of I'll it have her put place. that up on. Um, social well, hopefully media. you got a little uptick in some donations because in Dad's obit a few weeks ago, we mm -hmm. we put in there. In you know, if anybody wanted to donate anything, to donate it to you guys. So hopefully you know, a little <laughs> Thank uptick. You. Yeah. How, appreciate it <laughs> how does that go how, uh, as far as donations are concerned are people people stepping up yes 
They are, see, that's yes. wonderful to hear. I, I almost was certain you'd go, well, we wish there could be more, but no, they are, huh? That's great. Yeah. We just had a pretty great surprise over the weekend with one of our volunteer pilots who said to us, you know, and, and he flies. He's he. I would say he is probably one of the most prolific pilots just in terms of the amount of flying that he does for us and that we can call him on a short notice. And And he said to my dad, you know, tell me a little bit more about this legacy fund. So we have a, um, a fund where really the goal is to not have to fundraise and, and just have an endowment. And, mm -hmm. and he had spot, you know, he, he's been a sponsor yearly sponsor for us, but he said, well, you know, okay, I'd like to donate a hundred thousand to that. And then came back later and said, well, I've changed my mind. Oh God. And you were like, Oh no, Yeah, oh, that's okay. You know, you know, maybe you got ex out, out in front of yourself, a little excited. Actually, we'd like to donate 250000 oh. <laughs> Well, there, boy. Uh, and, and I think, quite frankly, you're donating enough already with what you, like, you're flying for us. Yeah. So, but he sees the value and wants to continue to be able to fly for us. Sure. And not worry about us out there trying to raise money. Um, and that's a pretty big, you know, that was that was pretty significant That's and pretty great. amazing. Um, we don't do, you know, we don't send out flyers or we don't, you know, we right. don't do direct mail. Right. When we first started, I had someone offered it. I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to raise a dollar for every 10 that we spend. Um, so, yeah, but you can donate to us if you go and to our you, website. Well, fundraising that? is uh, terrible. Yep. That's a terrible thing yeah. to have to try to do all the time. But I'll pitch it. Uh, I know. It's yeah. org, and, <laughs> and you can donate, uh, and that helps us continue to do the work that we're doing, and, and we're going to be here continuing to do it, regardless of how popular it is. Um, we're going to be here. Yeah, a friend of ours does um, the Smile Network. Okay. And she's like, you know, you can't constantly be asking for money because people <laughs> yeah. start, they see you and they'll start running, running. away. Yeah. <laughs> so she says, I hate having to fundraise, but I got to fundraise because right. this is how we do what we do. You know, you've got to do it, but it's just, you know, and there's We've a special talent. There's a special talent for it too. I mean, some people are just really good at fundraising. Yeah, they are. It's true. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in Pocket Casts, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. 
Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit saberheating.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. You're yep. not taking any Bitcoin, I hope. No. Good. <laughs> that <laughs> I, wouldn't guy. Know, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, well, he, well the guy who just is going to prison, he didn't yeah. know what to is do with it Is he going to go to prison? Oh, I think so. Really? What a scam artist that guy was. At least his girlfriend was a furry, though, so that's good. Yeah. <sighs> I just... Uh, have you, what? Have you heard... <clears throat> did, has anybody watched any of a video of these two? Uh, I haven't, no. <laughs> The guy that was in charge of the FTX, yeah, and a bit of his, a weirdo, I'm guessing. At, oh, well, there was a there was a fund, a uh, like a Manhattan sort of hedge fund thing that they were mm-hmm. raising money, and the fact that people would give after ta- seeing them and thinking that they're just some sort of geniuses, you're like. What do we think is a genius today? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> good question. <laughs> you're right. Who do we think is good? I mean, I wouldn't give these two a nickel of my money to invest. They're so strange and odd. Did you hear his latest argument? I can't believe you're going after me. All I did was give to charity. <laughs> Of course. Well, there is this, you know, alt, uh, this new wave okay. of altruistic investors where they're, they yeah, make, they, right, the only right. reason why they make money is so that they can give back. To That's the what world. they're saying, yes. No, they're, they're, they've got their own billions that they get to live on, too. That doesn't seem sure. to, yeah. But the, really, all the extra billions that they raise are to go to charity. Uh, so that's like sort of the new Ponzi scheme. Yes, I would say this was a Ponzi is, yeah. scheme. It seems like this is a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, I mean, how much, Andy? Five hundred million or five billion? We were or? we were sending money to the Ukraine. The Ukraine was putting money into this FTX, mm-hmm. and then the FTX was um, donating to, to the DNC. to the Democrat mm-hmm. Party. Yeah, and then the Democrat Party gave money to the Ukraine. The Ukraine <laughs> gave money to FTX, and it just kept going around in a circle. So you're yeah, wondering exactly. how does this? Well, it was money how, laundering, is, is but, what it was. But with all these billions that were going into this fund why wasn't there any oversight there's always oversight on any fund because this was just some kid's website no but there was an actual fund at araconda or something yeah alameda yeah there was an actual fund right that was funneling all of this into this ftx so it's just a pump and dump scheme is all it was i still don't understand what what is bitcoin how did it start? i've explained it to you i know but it doesn't have any value at all neither does money i know this is a government money is out. just paper that they print yeah, the I reason know. money has value is because the only way you can pay taxes is with it yeah this is true so therefore it does have intrinsic value. well once again it's a piece of paper that somebody says it's worth this that's well, yeah, what money is. If you disagree that it's worth that, then they come to your house and kill you. So. You're saying they're going to come after me for paying my taxes in Bitcoin last year? <laughs> <laughs> I know you might. You can send them a stack of Bitcoin. Here. Here's your dough right here. That I wasn't quite sure me. how much this was worth, but let's hope it covers mm. it. Well, that's yeah. how taxes always are. 
we know how much you owe, but we're not going to tell you. You have to guess and send us that amount. And then if you're wrong, we're going to get mad and, and we're going to audit you. Yeah, and charge you. Uh, and the, Yeah, charge you extra. Like so much interest that oh God, it makes a credit insane. card company look Yep, I know. It's sweet. such a bad system. Yeah. You know what amazes me? I believe now somebody told me that Minnesota is the third highest tax state in America. Well, how I've heard third, third and I've heard fifth. I'm not sure which one it is. But it's high. Andy, We're way got? up there. Well, it's it's difficult to say because well, I, I mean, what does highest tax mean? If you're only talking about income tax, then we're fifth. No, we're talking per, yeah, personal. But I mean, tax. we've also got high sales taxes. We've got yeah. high gas taxes, right? Uh, our gas taxes aren't as bad as some. Oh no, no, but they're, they're well. California's not good. got the high. Well, yeah. California's got California, the highest. California, your personal income tax is thirteen point nine, almost fourteen percent, and they want to raise it to fifteen or higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. On and top then of you the got the tax. The yeah. Fed's at what thirty nine, top rate. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. you'd be losing out on sixty percent of your money, almost sixty percent of your money. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Well, they deserve it. That's mm-hmm. good. And of course, as you said, the government should be doing this, but they're not using any of the money for that. Why? I, yeah. Oh, the government could possibly handle this. No. 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 no, no. Well, what did you Why did you guys? You're doing it with four, four. people. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It's just absolutely like you're so efficient, obviously, and you've got it all, you know, you've got a good network. And part of it is that we're all decision makers. So I think you talked to Maria. I think you probably talked to Maria. Yes. She did your trip for you. Yes, yes. We're all decision makers. So my staff can make a decision. They don't need to wait till they can get a hold of me. Not that I'm difficult to get a hold of, but hey, make a decision. Yeah, you don't have to have 25 board meetings. Right. Yeah. We've got a smaller board. We don't. Yeah, it's we're decision makers, and I think that's part of it. I mean, you tried to run this through the government, and you would have forty-five different pay grades to yeah. finally make a decision on right. anything, you know. And and they're bigger decisions. I mean, the, every trip, you know, when it comes out financially, every trip that we fly is fairly expensive. So you know, they have to be able to make decisions and and not have to. And that stuff is oftentimes immediate. So. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a government gig. Mm-hmm. So not where does all. all that money come from? So I mean, the the pilots donate it's a lot the, of. It's all the pilots. Is it she all said. pilots? Yeah. All of it? I mean, literally all of it. For as far as our donations, or for who covers the pilots' flights? Um, I guess all your donations. Yeah. Okay, so whoever you know, for all of our donations, I mean, that's whoever wants to donate. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. you know you he- you're more likely to hear about it. About us, if you've experienced us mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. Um, whether it's been personal as a family member or as a pilot, I would say we we have a lot of guys that really just enjoy doing it and know, mm-hmm. hey, this isn't going to be around if, if I don't also support it. Right. We've got um, vehicles for veterans, which is right. So our office is right kind of next door to you guys, just across from Costco over here. And oh, we all yeah. work from home. It's it's kind of a I would say at this point we get our mail there but we all have been working for home from home long before covid it just was more economical sure. to do that but um vehicles for veterans are there in the same same office mm-hmm. walked in saw our name we weren't even there saw our name one day and said well what do they do well they were our title sponsor they have been they they support us significantly which is great it's minnesota local um and and they don't have an airplane that i'm aware of they don't you know they're local they fly they don't fly for us but just found out about what we did and, and realized we were serving the same same group and they support us so, so significantly. Did you, did you not go down there because they closed the Dairy Queen right next door? Is that why? Yeah. 
That was it. I don't need to go to it. Well, my Dairy Queen's closed now. It's winter, so you know I don't. I don't have did. a. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm old school. I'm out in Minnetrista, so the closest Dairy Queen to me isn't. It's closed well, yeah, for winter. I, I used to live winter. in St. Paul, right on Snelling. That one closed in the winter. Yeah. Did it really? Well, that, oh, yeah. that was one of the I used the to live in St. Paul and go to that one too. Yep. So. That 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 might have been one of the I think it's one of might be the oldest Dairy Queen in the state of Minnesota. It's not big. No. No, it's good. Does it even still exist? Is it still there? I think so. I yep. wonder. I don't know oh, for yeah? sure. But then there was Connie's creamy creamy cones. Mm-hmm. There's actually a <laughs> lot of ice cream I think that out was like there. Como? Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of ice cream out there actually. Yeah, it was a good thing. Was... No doubt about it. So how do people step up and and donate some money? Veteransairlift.org. And you can do it online. You can mail in a check. You can call me. Uh, if you've got an airplane and you want to fly for us, we love that. Um, and you can sign up your aircraft right on our website. And we send out emails that show well, that will tell you what flights that we have available. Mm-hmm. And then there's also available missions on our website, so you can always check those out too. If there's a specific flight route that you fly often, and you may want to check out what, what we've got open for flights. Do they ever um, team up with private, like passengers that want to like Uber and pay some pay money to be on the flight to help offset costs? No. So our pilots actually can't take payment for flights when they're flying oh, charitable okay. flights. So I was just trying to yeah no away. no helping out with the gas day. money. No, yeah, no. Exactly. They, they can't. Yeah, they can't do that. So oh, okay. um, you, yeah, that's a FAA IRS deal. They're not able to take payment for flights oh so because it's a because it's a donated charitable flight right and they can't like designate a few seats or something so they could offset their costs no dang i'm always full of good ideas that never work full of ideas there's no question (laughs) but you could fly and donate to us (laughs) Um, but yeah no that's they typically are flying the, the passenger you know the veteran that needs to be Sure. And, and certainly if the veteran has family members that would need to fly along. That's, yeah, you, uh, you guys let uh, my brother-in-law come up from Arizona and be there with dad. Sure. So be- that's not Because he would have been alone and his vision isn't, wasn't, it's, wasn't all that great. And if he would yeah. have had a little bit of a panic attack or something, he, he was there for him. And then he just flew right back with them. Okay. So, yeah, that was nice that you allowed that. It was nice for him to have a companion. Well, I can tell you personally, I will never forget that day. It was a really, really cool thing to just be there and then watch that plane go over our heads before it turned around and came back and landed. The whole thing was just handled so well. It was handled with class uh, from top to bottom. The pilots were just terrific, very friendly people. Don, at what, he's at 94 at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was like a little kid coming off that airplane. <laughs> He, like I said, he was just like, couldn't believe what these people did for me. It was just so amazing. He was just, but think he was about just, what he, he was did. Just, I mean, I think floored. that's what it comes back to, right? I mean, that's, you know, well, that's what he made a done. sacrifice, yeah. and this is a, a great way to honor him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you almost died for your country. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Something, I mean, he wore, he always, he had, he has, had his World War II baseball caps, yeah. you know, a beige one. A uh, black one and a navy one, so that he could match his outfit. <laughs> match his outfit. Exactly. When we just cleaned out his closet, he was, you know, plaid is so in right now. Yeah. He was, he was way ahead of his time. Oh, a lot of plaid every in there. Every single thing he owned was a plaid shirt. <laughs> Everyone. 
<laughs> he always had, and he was uh, everywhere he walked. People were always, thank you for your service. So many vets would stop and chat with him. And yeah. he was just, that just made his day. So he was very grateful for that. It was flight. an honor to be able to do it. And World War II one, vet, veterans are just so special to us. They're yep. just so few left yeah. anymore. So when <clears throat> no we have no. that opportunity. There's about 160,000 left. There are that There's many? still that many. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's point one I mean, percent. That's one percent of the amount of people who yeah, served in World War II. Dad so. must have been at the youngest, right? I Joining would think so, yeah. Um, the, a lot yeah. of people joined very young. Very though. young. So, yeah. So they're either 95 up to 100, maybe? Probably. In age. There can't be less. Probably well, how about uh, Kelvin Graham, who enlisted 1942 at the age of 12? was 12 they, they must the not have known that knew. they had to have known well why would you let a 12 year old in there because so it's, only it's world war ii old, we need more people know, to go 12 year olds are not exactly yeah. reliable humans it's true <laughs> I blame it on him that's yeah. real nice that's good oh yikes i understand 12 hmm. yep 12 years old i have a 13 year old so i'm just looking at that shape yeah, in my no, head. Yeah, for real. no you're not doing that we need to come back once in a while. Keep uh, keep tabs on everybody and everything, and let us know how everything's going. I'm going to reach out to uh, Pete Hegseth, and and so Catherine, you you have her number. I do. Okay, as long as we got your number. Uh, but thank you for coming in today. I, seriously, it's just it's a huge thing and in Catherine's family, my family. It's, it thanks is. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, God. it's just it's a it's a great organization, and you're doing a lot for people that just I mean they could probably. Do it another way, but it would be traumatic and horrible. Sure. And, yeah, you're really helping so many people. There you have it. Thank we'll you. Talk to you tomorrow with the family.